Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Brian's Toys. At Brian'sToys.com, you can find Star Wars toys and collectibles from 1977 to the present. Brian's Toys has it all, from vintage toys and action figures right up to the latest releases. And when checking out, be sure to say you were referred to Brian's Toys by Star Wars Action News. So go check out the world's largest selection of Star Wars toys at Brian'sToys.com. Listening to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. And welcome to a special edition of Star Wars Action News. I'm Marjorie. I'm Arnie. And, you know, I don't know that we could call this a special edition. Because what happens when you take a special edition and then you make it specialer and then you make it more special still? Well, I blink now. I didn't used to blink. This is new for me. Do you like it? I do. I have to say, having been with you for close to 12 years... You not blinking was really creepy and kind of felt like being married to Abe Sapien a little bit. Well, so I'm sorry. I'm really glad that you're blinking, although you're blinking a little bit lizard-like now. Yeah. It's a very weird well, kind still, of reptilian blink. I'm still getting used to it. We are here, and this entire episode of Star Wars Action News is going to be dedicated to the Blu-rays that were just released. I know that several times we had Steve Sansweet on the show, I'd be asking him, where's Blu-ray? Back when Blu-ray was new, back during the HD DVD wars, yes, we've been podcasting that long, I remember asking, and he saying that he didn't know if it would come out on Blu-ray. What if Blu-ray didn't make it? What if HD DVD made it? What if neither of them made it and digital download became the way of the future? Well, Comcast had a way of stopping that. Yeah, they kind of did. Now Stars is making sure it's not going to work. Yeah, but we finally got the DVD release, and this has been... Seemingly a long time coming, right? Because first there were the rumors of Blu-rays. Then there was the announcement of (laughs) Blu-rays. Then there was the next announcement of Blu-rays at Celebration. But we got to see there was going to be cut scenes and all this stuff that we wanted to see on them. Then there was the pre-order and all of the trickling out of information. And then the past couple weeks, the leaks, which some have... Supposed may have been engineered by Lucasfilm themselves. I think it was Club Jade who had an article about it because the confirmation of Vader's no wasn't on a fan site. It was on the New York Times. Yeah, it does seem like it's a well-manufactured leak. Kind of like when Apple loses an iPhone 5 in a bar. Oops, we did that last time too. Oopsie daisy. And... The fact that, love it or hate it, it certainly had people talking. And other people making fun of us. People were laughing at how mad Star Wars fans got. We were mocked by the Taiwanese. That was a great video. We will link to that from the homepage of SWActionNews.com. But if you've ever seen on Conan O'Brien where they have the Taiwanese videos, they did one about Star Wars fans and the 
relationship with George Lucas and George Lucas constantly making the changes. We'll get to the changes, but, you know, getting the Blu-rays themselves was a little bit of an arduous process for many fans. It was. It appears that Walmart just completely dropped the ball on this one in their Sunday ad, which they don't always have a Sunday ad. Big Star Wars section blurb about how stores are having midnight openings with costume characters and all this stuff. And so we're like, all right, well, we'll go to, Star- we'll go to Walmart at midnight to get Star Wars. And we weren't going to do it because Arnie was going to buy it at Target the next day anyway because of the lithographs, which we'll get to. So we recruit our friend who, if you saw our To Catch a Scalper video, he was the scalper who died eating Doritos. And I want to also clarify, you called Walmarts to find out which yes. were having midnight releases. And I first called the one closest to our house and they said, oh yeah, we're going to have a party. And it's not like they haven't had parties before. Back with certain waves of figure releases, we've been at that Walmart at midnight, and I'm wondering, why are there cupcakes and people playing video games at midnight at Walmart? And it turned out there was, like, some Madden release or something like that. And some tournament to go with the Madden release. So... I'm expecting, like, a big to-do. If you recall, for the Episode 3 DVD release, all the grocery stores had big events, like the stores at at midnight. One of our grocery stores that's a 24-hour that has, like, a... It's like a Walmart. It's called Meyer. They had cupcakes and cake and people out there having fun. Walmart was giving out stickers and had costume people. All I remember when it comes to the midnight releases is the original DVD release of the trilogy. Mm -hmm. And... Walmart had those exclusive figure three packs that came out on the pallet, unlike all the other ones, which just went to the toy aisle. And I remember it was a mad rush of people piling on. There were probably 40 people there, and it was nuts trying to get it. It was like midnight toy release for episode one or episode three. It was if someone fell into a river in the Amazon and piranhas attacked that body. That's what it was like. Because you were tossing them to me, and I'm catching them in the back, putting them in the car. We have a great system worked out that way. But here we got there, and there were... Two people besides the three of us. Yes, and they were together. They were together. A few other people seemed to kind of wander around, look like they were looking for something, and then leave. But none of them stuck around, so I think they were just shopping anyway and were like, oh, yeah, Star Wars. No, not here? Okay, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Finally, around 12.30, they brought out the pallet. And this was after me constantly asking every single Walmart person that walked by, hey, what about the Star Wars DVDs? They're supposed to come out at midnight. Oh, they're having some trouble with the DVDs. They're already made. What's the trouble? I don't, it comes on a pallet. You take the black plastic off and you put it out. No, this was a some assembly required pallet. They had to put the ad at together. Perhaps they should have done that at eight o'clock at night instead of waiting till midnight. Yeah, when they finally brought the pallet out, they still <laughs> hadn't figured out how to attach the ad at head. And no. here's the rub there were no Saga Collection nine disc sets on the pallet. Now, as you may know, they put out the prequel trilogy. Then they put out the original trilogy in separate box sets. Then they put them out together in the Saga Collection, which was a nine-disc set, three discs of bonus features. For some reason, the palette only had the original and the prequel. There was printing on the panel that said if you wanted all six discs plus bonus content, you needed to go to the video section. Yeah, because they have been in the habit, Walmart, of putting the new releases, the big releases, up by the walk-in. So everybody who walks in can impulse purchase it like a candy bar, a $90 candy bar. So I could understand why they wouldn't put that one up there, but it's just a little bit confusing because they couldn't find the Saga collections to bring out. And more, you know, Walmart's had this poster of Boba Fett on a Varactyl, 
And they're like, we don't know anything about any posters. Well, she kind of half-assed looked. She barely did. That's why I said it was half-assed. And then she actually said to me all sarcastically, welcome to the wonderful world of working at Walmart. (laughs) Okay, your job consternation is not my problem. I just like a poster, but I get it. I'm going to just take this Lego DVD and leave now. It was best for all involved. The two people that showed up later... To get, they wanted the nine disc set and they were hot. They left, they were like all mad when they left and, well, we're going someplace else and they're all ticked off. What I find is that that sign you talked about in Walmart that said go back to electronics also said own every moment. Really? I can own every moment? So I can own the moment where Han shoots first? No. No, I can't own that moment? I guess I kind of can in the rough edit. What about all the moments in the Battle of Yavin that were later replaced by CGI. How about those moments? Well, I will get to the content on the discs in a little bit, but I ended up leaving Walmart and we considered going to other Walmarts and seeing, but this was such a non-event, decided I was just going to go to Target the next day to get the lithograph set. This seemed like the easier option because as these multiple DVD releases have come out, the crowds have dwindled to where the last two times we have been the only people. And I do want to say, though, the... We weren't the only ones having this kind of problem. Jerry, Darth Bounty in the forums, host of Republic Forces Radio Network, who he and Dan so ably hosted the show last week for us while it was my birthday and I took a week off. He didn't get his discs until 1 a.m. because they had the exact same problem. And on our Facebook page, reports were coming in from all over about people needing to get managers involved, general store managers to find the posters and an hour or more wait before they figured out, oh, hey, the nine-disc set, it's just in a regular box that's going to go in the back. It's not part of a palette that we need to be sorting through. Again, you'd think with a big release that was in your store's ad, you would have had this all ready to go and made it some sort of event like headquarters is saying. Now, Darth Akari actually works at a Walmart, and he trooped for the event, and it looked like they had a pretty good party going on at his Walmart, and everything was organized well, so perhaps you'd want to head up, talk to him in the forms and head to where he works for the next midnight release of the original, original, original trilogy on DVD or Blu-ray. I'd head up to his store, because it sounds like they, they got it going on. There are a lot of these Walmart posters showing up on eBay, and they're not going for as much as I honestly thought they would, limited to 50 per store. But there's a lot of Walmarts in the world. According to Wikipedia, there are a little over 3,800 Walmarts in the United States. So if every Walmart got 50 posters, there'd be 190,150 posters produced. I think that seems way high. So perhaps not all stores did get them. Our store is claiming they never did. I checked again the next morning. They said we never got them. Maybe it is just ones that were having a true event or maybe not, but that seems like a very lot of posters compared to, again, certain edition runs. I think of things like limited lithographs or even the Lava Reflection Vader, which was limited in the 30,000s. This is probably around 100,000 of them existing. So it looks like 10 to 15 shipped will get you one on eBay, which is a lot cheaper than buying the set. But what I was interested in were the lithographs because I was wondering how big they were. Somebody posted on the forums, they talked to an employee and they were going to be smaller than a trading card. And I'm like, that's... I was thinking postage stamp. Yeah, I was thinking it was going to be like that cell we reviewed two weeks ago from Best Buy, that size. And the fact that it was an eight pack really made me wonder, Target likes to bundle the stuff in the same shrink wrap with their DVD sets and Blu-ray sets. So I thought it would be maybe that size at best. But even though Walmart was a bust and there weren't 
anybody there and except for us and two other people, all of whom left without buying just about anything. I got to Target a half an hour before they opened. I was the first person to sit in the parking lot. By the time the store opened, there were five of us outside the doors. But of the five of us, only three of us were there for the DVD. One was there because of some kind of designer boots or something. Missoni. In fact, the guy opened the door and saw four guys plus one woman. And he goes, you're all here for the Missoni boots or something? You were like, uh, Star Wars? Of course, I think he was joking. Two of the guys who were in front of me in line worked there. And they were apparently off duty. And these guys were giving me horror stories because they're like, well, it's right up on the end cap, but there were only 10 sets of lithographs. And I'm like, okay, well, 10 there. There's only three of us, but they're standing in front of me because it was cold. And I was staying in my car. I wasn't going to be the first in line. I figured if Walmart had 50 posters, that Target should be at least 25 lithograph sets. So when they said 10, I actually just asked them. I go, okay, you're standing closer to the door than I am. Are you going to leave me any? (laughs) And they're like, oh, we're just getting one set each. Glad to hear that. And I walk in when they open the door and there it is right at the end cap. And indeed, they had 10 lithograph sets. That was it. And you didn't have to buy the Blu-rays. You could buy the lithographs for $10 or they were free with the Blu-rays. And there was no limit on purchase. That seems kind of screwy. It would have been very easy for me to walk out of there with every lithograph set. If I were, say, a scalper, which I am not. I got a set for myself. The guys in front of me got some sets and they didn't buy the Blu-rays. I actually bought the Blu-rays there. I thought about, well, I could just buy the lithographs and go back on the hunt for the poster or head over to Best Buy. They have a t-shirt. But I was there, bird in the hand, free lithographs. I picked them up. They are much bigger than a trading card. They are about 10 by 6, just some rough estimates. These lithographs are all art from the inside of the Blu-ray case, but you get eight lithographs and not all of the art is included. Of course, Boba Fett on the Vractal, who may or may not be Boga, isn't included. You have to have the Walmart poster for that. And Han with all of the teddy bears in front of him or the very droids-ish C-3PO and R2 art is not included in this. So got the pencil drawing of Anakin and Luke faded over each other on Tatooine, a much wider shot of it. You've got Darth Maul on Tatooine. You've got the wonderful group shot of everyone, which is strangely brown. I've always thought the group shot was always very brown. It is. And what's funny is there's actually a lot of color in the Star Wars world. What I find really odd about these is the texture of the lithographs. I am not an artist. If you remember way early on, I'd never heard of a Gicle before. Thought it was a Gilsey. And with a lithograph, I understand it's a printing process, but all the lithographs I've ever seen have been smooth. Some have a matte finish, some have a glossy finish, but they've all been smooth. These are all on textured paper that feel very artsy. Actually, all in a lithograph is is an authorized copy of an original artistic work. Okay, then. Those actually feel like they were put on artist canvas or something and painted. They have more of a painting look, which I know that each one was not individually painted, but... Nor is it true canvas. It feels no. like... It's like textured cardboard. Yeah. Textured cardstock. So that was where I got the DVD set. I did not buy the individual prequel trilogy and original trilogy. I do want them for my home video collection, but... I've been in a habit lately of picking up like new used DVD and Blu-ray sets on Amazon for the $1 to $5 range, maybe up to 8 used for Blu-ray and that's shipped. So 
I'm thinking that if I play the long game on these, instead of spending $40 now on each set, I can spend $4 later on each set. I'd wait till Black Friday. I think these are going to be a Black Friday item. I think so, too. I really hope all the listeners know that these more than likely will go down cheaper. Take X-Men First Class. I bought it the week it was released. The best price I could find was about $25. The second week it was out, it was $17. But this is Star Wars. I wasn't going to wait to get the set. Plus, there were all these freebies. They've had better freebies in the past, though. I think this is very lackluster for the Blu-ray. And I wonder if it's because a lot of people have not adopted the Blu-ray technology yet. And that was a huge thing is we talk to people and they're like, oh, yeah, I don't have a Blu-ray player, so I'm not getting it. I've had people talk to me and just say they think that Blu-ray is like the Laserdisc of the 21st century or the early 21st century. I don't think that's quite right because Blu-ray players have come down in price so far that if your DVD player breaks, you get a Blu-ray. It Mm -hmm. plays all your DVDs and, oh, hey, we can rent Blu-rays now. It doubles your chances. But on our Facebook page again and in our private lives, we've talked to a lot of people who have not made the jump to Blu-ray, don't see the need to make the jump to Blu-ray. They're happy with what they've got. And for them, this truly is the definition of a non-event. They could not care less because they aren't going to upgrade their whole home theater system or their television if they don't have a home theater to go for Blu-ray. I mean, we're kind of audiovisual files. We like the home theater experience. We're constantly upgrading our equipment there. Our home theater is kind of like the Falcon. <laughs> We're constantly changing out parts. And so for us, being able to see Star Wars, our favorite series of movies, in high definition without Axe commercials in the middle mm-hmm. was glorious. We used to watch them on HBO all the time when they were on there. And HBO doesn't even broadcast in 1080p. And I was really looking forward to it with the surround sound and optimized for high def. So there was absolutely no way I was going to wait. Now, as far as the freebies go, our Toys R Us was not letting people get the thumb drive with the Blu-ray purchase. Ouch. So you had to buy the toys, actually, to get it. Uh Uh-huh. Hmm. Some stores were doing that. Some stores weren't. Interesting. And our Best Buy was out of t-shirts in a blank. I don't think it's that great of a t-shirt. I was like, eh. I got into that mindset of wanting all the exclusives for this Blu-ray release. So They're not expensive on eBay. No, i got to thank the Ottoman guy on the forums for hooking me up with one. Because Best Buy, like Target with the lithographs, Best Buy was selling the shirts for $10, it turns out. Huh. So he ran over to his Best Buy, grabbed one for me. Wow, that was nice. Yeah. And I also have to thank a listener on the forums whose name I will not reveal, who hooked me up with the poster from Walmart. Really, thank you for that. I was able to get the thumb drive by purchasing toys, our... Toys R Us had that sale last week where the FX lightsabers were really cheap. They were $27, so we got one for your niece, the little Hasbro FX lightsabers for Christmas. because yes, it is the perfect size for a four-year-old, almost five-year-old girl. Who loves Clone Wars. She loves Chewbacca as well, and she loves the original trilogy because my brother's bringing her up right. <laughs> but once the shopping was done, it was time to get into the movies. Now, I want to talk about the inside of the Blu-ray. I hate it. It's the book format. I always like my discs to be in standard cases. First of all, they fit really nicely. Second of all, I mean, nothing's supposed to touch the backs of the discs, discs and scratch. And I found these discs really hard to get in and out of the book. I mean, frustratingly hard. I think I'm just going to put them all in standard DVD cases and be done with it because this book, great concept, but I just, I don't like it that comes with the nine disc. I don't know if the three disc sets come with it or not. 
But once I finally got the discs out, started the movies, we watched them in the order in which Lucas intended. Phantom Menace through Return of the Jedi. Yeah, we started with Phantom Menace Friday night. Here's the thing with high definition, and it's just a simple fact. And there's things we're going to reference throughout the entire review. Things you can get away with in 480p, you can't pull over our eyes in 1080p. It's kind of like when everything went to high def, and all of a sudden, all of the news anchors started getting bangs. Because they were worried about not only their wrinkles, but their facelift scars. Because you wouldn't be able to see them on standard definition cameras, now you'd be able to see them. I would think with movies, people would think there's nothing better than film and theater, and it's going to be so big in the theater. But you also can't freeze frame in the theater and start to look things apart. I've just noticed that with older movies especially, Blu-rays start to show the wires and the seams a little bit more. And things that might have looked passable on standard definition look more fake and high def. And I've noticed this is far worse on CGI than practical effects. It is. And CGI, it's not holding up well to the Blu-ray trend. And it's not just these movies. It is in other movies as well. And let's face it, CGI has come a long way in a very short time, a lot because of these movies. But if you listen to Now Playing, the movie review podcast that I co-host over at NowPlayingPodcast.com, we just reviewed Blade, which came out in 1998, one year before The Matrix and Phantom Menace. And Jacob Stewart and I all commented on just how bad the CGI was in that and how, yeah, it had a bit of a lower budget than The Matrix or Star Wars, but... CGI has come so far in under 15 years versus practicals, which seem to basically evolve very slowly. And, I mean, we were still using Jason and the Argonauts technology in Empire Strikes Back and Clash of the Titans. But CGI has just come so far so fast that Phantom Menace, some of that CGI just does not hold up, even though, for the time, it was wow. You take it to now when we are used to seeing Transformers 3 level CGI, which say we will about the plot or I will say what I will about the plot. But the CGI was freaking amazing. I will say that the Transformers do have amazing CGI because Bumblebee looks real. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fantastic. It, it's a, it's probably the best CGI I've seen in a movie in a long time. And with the Phantom Menace, A lot of it does hold up. I am not saying that you are watching Jason and the Argonauts with the Phantom Menace. So much of it, when it first started, the scroll is so sharp and so crisp. It is. Marjorie likens it to getting glasses. Yeah, if you have ever had glasses that just weren't working for you anymore, or you go to contacts, it is like when you first put them on, and you can see every detail of every leaf when you're looking at a tree. It's, It's that stunning. It's beautiful. And that is the difference between even an upconverted DVD and high def. Mm-hmm. And so we're watching the scroll, and I'm just like, wow. And the stars are beautiful. We had the lights turned off, and it was like being in the starfield. It- Music booming everywhere. Oh, the surround. Subwoofer just blaring. I know our house was shaking because I went out on the deck to let the dogs out, and I could feel it in the deck. It was amazing. And you see the Republic cruiser heading to Naboo with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan on it, and it looks so pretty and so GC nice. GC-14. Oh, she's beautiful. When you get to see Queen Amidala, 
I never noticed that her outfit was quilted before. Yeah, you see so much detail in her dresses that you probably never noticed before, like the intricate beadwork where you can see the individual beads and see how they glimmer and how they're positioned. It, it was really stunning. The fur on her collar, I never really looked at it, but you can see individual strands of mm-hmm. fur on that collar. Just wonderful stuff. But then certain things that even at the time, you know, if you're judging these movies honestly and you take off the I love Star Wars blinders and look at it honestly, certain CGI effects were never great. Like the Nemoidians, when they're walking off their ship down into Naboo, if it looked like they were floating before, it really looks like they're floating now because they just didn't get that ramp aligned quite right. And things that looked great before... Like when Qui-Gon is melting the blast doors to get into the Nemoidian capsule there, the command center. Now it looks a lot faker. And here's the thing, and I'm going to tell this, and I apologize for our listeners who already know this, because I know there's a lot of video files among you. But what the average person doesn't know is how much movies change when they're put onto Blu-ray. And there's a huge argument among the devout, because... People who like Blu-rays are usually tech heads, you know? We're buying the Blu-rays. We want the latest, greatest of everything. And when you put in a Blu-ray, you want it to look like you expect a Blu-ray to look. But films don't always do that. And I know many times we've put in some Blu-rays and Marjorie has been like, well, this movie doesn't look good. Is this a DVD? A little bit snobby. Sorry. You are. You're very much the average consumer of this type of stuff. You want it to look like if you go to buy a brand new car. You want it to be shiny and you want that new DVD smell. And you want all of that. And you're not wrong to want that. It is what most of the Blu-ray consumers want. And that's what you've got in one hand is the gearheads who want this. And from what I've read online, it's primarily us Americans too. The other cultures... Does that surprise you? ...don't really have this because the other cultures fall into the film school snobs. We've got the tech snobs and the film school snobs. The film school snobs are upset that movies are being made with digital camcorders to begin with because films should be, you know, film actual negatives and agitation and stopper and all of that. And they love film grain. And when you look at old films, they say old films shouldn't look new. They shouldn't look like they were made with today's digital technology because that's not what the director wanted. In low-light situations or especially in the 70s, those 70s people loved thick grain on their film. Mm -hmm. And now there are techniques they can just run it through a filter and remove all that grain and make everything look digital and shiny and the film purists are like but that's not how the movie looked when it came out this was not what the director cut in the cutting room this was not the print that was in the theaters they want the grain they want to reproduce the exact theater experience from the time the movie was released today i wanted to look pretty see that's the other side i I'm not a film buff, if you will. I I want it to look crisp. I want it to look clean. It annoys me when things are out of focus and they're not supposed to be. Noise bothers me. I do not like digital noise in a film. It just, it drives me up the wall. And that could be because, so, I'm a person with vision problems. And it could be that I don't like to see things how it looks without my contacts. Crispness is very important to me because I've worked really hard to get there. And... I just, I, I like things I don't think it's your, pretty. I don't think it's your vision problems because there's people who believe that exact same thing who don't have vision problems. Oh. That, again, Americans yeah. want that new Blu-ray smell. Yeah. Well, with Star Wars, Lucas is always trying to update it and make it look like it just would look 
if he could, if it were made yesterday. They have taken this thing and turned the color knob to 11. They have. And they've run this through all six movies through that digital noise remover filter to make everything the Blu-rays shiny and new. (laughs) Because that's what Transformers looks like. That's what anything shot digitally would look like. Any grain in digital is magnified probably fakely. And admittedly, in high def, you notice the grain more. In low def, the grain became video, especially on VHS. You couldn't have grain. Everything became this mute, fuzzy video. 1080i. I mean, sure, we lived with it because... That's all we had. We didn't know any better. Our younger listeners are like, wow, that's the olden times. But yeah, we didn't have digital. We just dealt with fuzzy. And as it was it, very watery. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it was like the VHS is, was wavy and watery. And it's like if you open your eyes underwater and you're watching the movie. Some of them were like that, especially as the tapes age. Yes. And with DVD, you're still at 480p, but you still couldn't tell all of that. But once you get up to this, when you can see every piece of fur on Amidala's collar, you can see this grain and it becomes more distracting for the non-film buffs. And so... These things, they've got the color cranked up, they've got the digital noise removal going, and so I think when it came to the lava in the doors going into the Nemordian Command Center, which is bringing it all back around to that, I knew I'd get there eventually, it looked fake because it was so orange and so bright. I mean, when you see Amidala looking out the window and she's wearing that red dress, that red became Corvette red on this Blu-ray. It it was. It was candy apple red, and it, it was pretty, but it wasn't equal. It almost seemed like cel-shaded animation. Like, I'd expect a Disney princess in a cartoon to wear red. Yeah, because if something had a vibrant color, it was magnified, but then everything else that had color in the scene was not magnified. And it was inconsistent from shot to shot, because in the pod race later on, Anakin's pod racer in some scenes had this blue that was just so vibrant. But then you'd go to some other shots and they didn't pump it up as much. Same with R2. Yes. Throughout indeed. the whole six films, R2 is many different shades of blue. Sometimes he's like super duper in your face blue, and other times he's just the R2 blue we know and love. And it changes in the same yes. movie in addition to across the movies. Now, for those of you out there who really are video files, you're probably thinking, well, maybe my settings were screwy. I actually watched this on a couple different systems to do some comparing and contrasting of how it looked from scene to scene. I've talked to other people who have bought this. I'm not the only one who's noticing this. And so while I only have my own everyday reference systems to go by, I did try it on a DLP screen and an LCD screen, tried a number of different formats to try to see if this is how it looked. I tried it. My primary Blu-ray player is a PS3. I also tried it on an Asus computer drive. So trying various different things to see where the consistencies are across of them. And these colors are bright in every case and brighter than they've ever been. But for the majority of The Phantom Menace, it is so gorgeous. And seeing Coruscant for that first time in high def. Coruscant is beautiful. Just stunning. Naboo just didn't work for me for some reason. Naboo looked very flat and very back projected for some reason. Naboo looked like a lot of map paintings in the back. It did. And it, it, it kind of reminds me of coming to America when you see Zamunda. <laughs> and you can very clearly see where the set that they had CGI and built butted up against the mat. But I don't know why this would be because it's all digital. But I agree with you. Perhaps it's they just didn't put enough detail into the back to kind of make it look far off. But you could tell. 
Now, of course, the big change to The Phantom Menace is CGI Yoda replacing Puppet Yoda. And I have to say, I think it's an improvement. I never had the problems with Puppet Yoda that some people did, but he certainly was vastly different than original trilogy Yoda or even episode two Yoda. That said, I didn't think the lips always matched the words quite right on Yoda. They didn't, but, you know, I noticed that more in 3D than I didn't do anything. So I'm wondering, maybe it'll all just work itself out in the 3D release. That's true. We moved on to Attack of the Clones, which was the first film to be shot completely digitally by the Star Wars saga. There were some digital shots in The Phantom Menace. And again, a lot of what we saw with the... Phantom Menace came through again. The chorus and scenes, the speeder chase. Mm. Oh, dear God. I actually was getting a little bit of vertigo on some of those falling scenes. You know, and I really think that that was one of the best scores ever done in Star Wars. Mm. Empire. Okay. (laughs) In the prequels. Okay. I take that. Because... Some of the music really fit, like when Anakin jumps out of the speeder and you hear the woo. I mean, it really fit and it really got you worked up. And that was one of the things that was missing from the Phantom Menace, other than Duel of Fates, which didn't get you worked up. You just knew something epic was happening. Actually, Duel of Fates got me very worked up, whereas I thought the music you're talking about, a little too electric guitar-y. I always felt that one stood out. It didn't really fit with the rest of the Star Wars scores. Okay, but they're also in like a Las Vegas area of Coruscant, and it was very... I don't remember which came first, AI or this movie, but it looked like an AI where the robots go and what's-his-face is the sexual robot. Well, you talk about the Vegas, and here the colors, again, pump to 11. Just crazy amount of colors. And if you're looking for that new Blu-ray smell, man, does this scene ever have it. Yeah, it does. I mean, the colors are bright, the lights are bright, the power couplings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was... I know, it was was very vibrant, and some of the colors were a little overdone, cranked to 11, but, you know, it was okay. And so much looked so great. In every scene with those army of clones, when Obi-Wan's visiting on Kamino, or when Bail Organa's pounding his fist and we're seeing the grand army of the Republic at the end, you can see every clone. Mm -hmm. And in the scenes where... Padme and Anakin are frolicking in the field. You can see every blade of grass. It is so vibrant, so pretty. I love this aesthetic. It matches my aesthetic taste, and I am just really getting off on what they've done. The one thing that I didn't think held up very well was Camino and the Caminoans. I thought they looked cartoony. I thought they looked okay. I really did. I've always thought that because of their design, they are hard to make look quote-unquote real. Yeah, that could be it. And I don't I just They seem more exaggerated this time, and I don't know why... I just didn't care for him. I love, though, the rain on Kamino. You just, you can see the drops as they fall. It just added so much to that. And this is the one where I really have to talk about the sound. You mentioned the subwoofer earlier, but all of these, all six of these films have just wonderful sound mixes that really, again, I didn't change any of my settings when we started out for any of these movies, but my subwoofer got quite a workout more so than usual on these and never more so than when Django Fett is setting off his charges his in the asteroid field. Oh, boy, those things. Our chairs were shaken. Very good use of sound there. I've always loved that scene, one of Ben Burt's best, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But again, not all of it held up. Like you mentioned, you, you with the Kaminoans, it's kind of how I felt about Yoda when he was in the temple. He looked fine when he was on Geonosis and everything, but in the temple when he's walking and talking with Obi-Wan and Mace, I kind of felt that that didn't quite work. 
You know, I never think that in any movie, and st- outside of Star Wars, I'm not just saying this about Star Wars, but I think if they have a CGI character, they can never get it to walk right. And if you look, Yoda is best when he's floating on his little pillow. That's when, he, and he's short, so that makes sense that he wants to be up high, because Sam Jackson's kind of tall, and so is Hayden Christensen. <laughs> but in any CGI movie, they can never make, get, they can't get the walking right. You know what else they can't get right? The biting of imaginary fruit. That wasn't good before Blu-ray either. It just... In looked- theaters, we kind of blanched at that scene. It's like, ooh, that does not look like Natalie is biting anything. No. And again, if it's good, high def makes it better. Yeah. If it's bad, high def makes it worse. They did change one bit of audio I noticed when Anakin is having his nightmare about his mother. They've now added a voiceover of Shmi calling out for help from Anakin, which I liked. It was a fine change. I don't know that I needed it, but it certainly didn't detract at all. I still want to know what they were doing to her. And I know that on Republic Forces Radio Network, and even here on Star Wars Action News, Dan and Jerry and I have all opined, you know, they got Liam Neeson to do a cameo in The Clone Wars. They had him in the booth. Surely they had to have picked up that line from Episode 2 where he goes, Anakin, no! And maybe gotten a better take of that. No, same take. But then we get to the one that I think of the entire six-film saga looks the best on blue, and that is Revenge of the Sith. It does, and that movie was just great visually anyway before it was Blu-ray, because that's when all the CGI had matured at that point for the Star Wars is going to be the best as far as CGI. It was great. Maybe we all love it also a little bit more because it's the last one. And story-wise, I feel it's the strongest of the series. You know why? Because it wasn't about trade embargoes. (laughs) I really don't care about the embargo. I've never been able, even with all the EU I've read, I've never been able to articulate exactly what the Nemoidians were doing in the first movie. But the third movie, very simple. I just think that movie holds up so well on Blu-ray. The battle over Coruscant. Again, just, oh dear God, seeing every speck. They nailed space. Every single time in these. Mm-hmm. Every single time. And we'll get to more of that in the original trilogy, but oh my god. It was awesome. I wish the whole thing just took place in space. Well, it is called Star Wars. You'd think it might. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot to say about Revenge of the Sith, honestly, because they didn't make any changes to it that I could notice and that I've read about online. And it's just very solid. Again, the colors is ramped up to 11, and that is so noticeable on Mustafar. With all the oranges and the reds. A friend of ours that was watching the movie with us pointed out that the little force shields around the little robots, the lava miners, were more vibrant blue. And they were they were very prominent, but they didn't detract. But I think that's how it was in theaters, only just again, that color notch yeah. was just tipped up a bit more. Now, we actually had seen both Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith digitally projected in theaters. But it's been so long ago that I can't really remember how blue the shields Mm-mm. were. I do remember on my second or third viewing of Revenge of the Sith in theaters, I noticed those shields for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I wondered, you know, how did that metal hold up to floating in lava and saw the shields there? So he may have been noticing it for the first time. I can tell you for a fact, when I watch movies in high def that I've seen a lot of times before... I'll notice things I'd never noticed before because it's sharper. You know what was absolutely amazing in Revenge of the Sith was the Senate Chambers. Very good. It was good in all of them. It had depth Mm -hmm. that you really didn't get previously. It worked very well. I'm really curious to see that specifically in 3D. The lightsabers, we've talked about all the colors in all of these, but I think Revenge of the Sith more than most are so bright it's like looking into the corona of the sun. 
when Mace has got Palpatine at the end of his saber, whew, that is the brightest purple I have ever seen. They were blinding. It was like speed racer colors. Yeah. Honestly, this is the level of vibrancy I'm discussing, is if you've seen even an ad for speed racer. That's it's all what very it neon, like. but without the neon tacky colors. Mm-hmm. Does that make the brightness of neon without the tacky neon? That's the only way I can describe it. I know somebody's loving neon, be like, I can't believe her. But it is. It's very day glow. Yeah, it is. And this is a trend that will continue into the original trilogy when we get to A New Hope. Yeah. Because they really still left that color ramped up high. I almost dare say tramped up. And they took that noise removal. Looking at the Blu-rays of A New Hope, I would think it was shot digitally. I cannot find a speck of film grain Mm-mm. in the dark shots, in the bright shots. I mean, the dark shots are where they usually use the higher speed film and have more grain to it. I can't see it. Mm-mm. This thing might as well have been shot by the digital cameras used for the Celebrity Apprentice. I mean, that's take it how you will, but that's what people use today, and that's what it looked like. But I'll be brutally honest, that's my favorite Star Wars film, and it's always going to be my favorite Star Wars film. I have very few flaws with this film. I, I dare say I have no problems with this film whatsoever, except when it's tinkered with, I like the original, original, original trilogy. So that's three O's now. <laughs> Originally, original 1.0, I guess. I have never seen any of the matting, and I, I, again, I don't tell me where it is. Do not, because you're likely to suffer, suffer bodily harm. I love this movie. My childhood was shaped around this movie. I have fond memories of watching it with my mother and my brother, and I will stay right at the fact that I don't see any faults originally with this movie in the 1.0 version. I guess I'm just a little bit more clinical than you, because everything I love, I see the faults, and I love the faults, and a new hope has its faults, and I perhaps know them better because of my love for Star Wars, where similar faults I wouldn't notice on other films because I won't have seen those films as much, and I won't have studied those films as much, and I won't have seen so many still images taken from it. I believe that if I reconstruct all the storybooks and magazines and everything I have in the makings of in my basement, I could make a flip book that takes me scene by scene throughout A New Hope. Every scene, every angle is iconic, but... Every version of Star Wars from the original on has its faults, especially whenever you're looking at any special effects that are coming up on 40 years old. But in this one, R2 is so blue in some of these scenes, but Tatooine is so gorgeous. You could see uh, individual grains of sand. You really could. And the trash compactor. I've Uh never noticed certain shapes in that trash compactor before. You know what was odd, though? When you look at the Lars homestead, some of the plants were, like, amped up green. Yeah. Whereas ones right above them, not so much. It was very distracting, some of the things that were... It's almost like a black and white movie had been colorized. This was the movie where we changed my color settings for the first time. I had one of my favorite scenes ruined. We were watching The Binary Sunsets. Which is one of my favorites. I used to have a picture book, and I kissed my Luke with The Binary Suns. And the lower of the two suns... It was like a freaking red neon dot. Really? It looked like somebody had just put a rubber stamp in the sky. Now, I then took the disc to my second reference system to see if it was that bad on there. We stopped the movie. The red dot was so offensive to all involved that we stopped the movie and went to reference systems. It's still really red on all of my reference systems, but not as bad as it was on my primary system. So I went in. And even though I had calibrated my settings, I started recalibrating to make it look like I did on the LCD. 
and made it look less red. And I was wondering, would this change everything else? So I went back, looked at some of the older discs and things. It did tone down the color a little bit, but it's still really ramped up. And given that I've watched hundreds of movies without changing these color settings, and none of them have I gone, again, could it be I don't know those movies as well? But I would think a giant red neon dot in a sky would tell me something was up. I had to tone down and take my television into just what they call standard mode. And that made things a little bit different. And we watched the next two full movies on standard mode. But yeah, I've never seen the colors turn so up that I actually, in my television, had to go and turn them back down. It was quite a moment there. And I've gone and done some calibrations since, and I put it back the way I had it before. When I watch A New Hope, I'm going to have to or change my picture settings to kind of compensate. I think perhaps because I like these bright colors, that's the normal mode I have my television in. And then when you take Star Wars, which did it automatically, it became exponential. So let's talk about the scene that made everyone in the room laugh out loud uproariously. Was it when Obi-Wan drunkenly fell down the stairs? No, I missed that. Oh, wait, no, that was supposed to be a scary cry. I thought he was falling down a flight of stairs. I'm sorry. Why did they have to replace the crate Dragon call? You know, I, as a child, try to emulate that call quite often. I figured it was a force power that he could make that sound. I thought it was, too. I don't... I guess he was unhappy with that sound. I just don't understand why. You know what I will say? To anyone who thinks that... And I've had people say this to me. Oh, Lucas is just taking us for more money. Lucas is just doing a cash grab. I think these changes, like the crate Dragon Call, and we'll get to it later, but the blinking Ewoks, just show that Lucas is a bigger fan than any of us. Because he's so immersed in the reality of it that it bothers him that that sound wasn't a sound that he could emulate or any human could. And it bothered him that the Ewoks didn't blink. I think he just is so close to it and such a super fan that these things bother him that don't bother us. But it was really funny. It really did have all three of us laughing. It was bad. There are two things in these changes that are bad, and that was one of them. Let's talk about a few of the other changes. Han and Greedo. You know, before 1997, I don't know that anyone paid too close of attention to Han and Greedo's little shootout in the cantina, but since then, this thing has been as analyzed as... The Zapruder film. I mean, really. Back and to the left. Yeah, it's like they're analyzing the magic blaster bolt. I have to say, in my opinion, this is the best it's been since 1996. (laughs) They keep iteratively getting better, but it's still not as good as the original, not just because of the character change that it makes, but... Now, it just seems like the screen goes to black for a little bit as it's covered in smoke, and I know Greedo's always blown up real good, but now, when Greedo is shot, it's an explosion to rival the Death Star. There was a lot of smoke there. It's as if he was made of sulfur and all these smoky things. I never knew Rodians were so combustible. I didn't either. It was mind-boggling. And when it comes back, it feels like a very harsh cut. It's like they realized that cutting and pasting Harrison Ford to quote-unquote dodge a blaster bolt was bad. So they just decided to literally put blinders on us all and blind the scene. Now, there is one change of Disappointed that was not made, and that was that Jabba was still in this movie. <laughs> but he looks good. He's been looking the same since the That's DVD not the version. point. That's not the point. One, he's better than the guy in the fur coat. But two... Jabba in this movie, 
completely steals the thunder from the Falcon. And with this, the Falcon is no longer a character. There, I've said it. Yeah, I, we've made that argument before. What a piece of junk! That's the perfect way to enter to the Falcon. The Falcon is no longer a character because of Jabba being there. Because you see the Falcon in the background, big deal, he's got a ship, blah, blah, blah. Totally lost character there now in this whole trilogy. But that's been that way since 97. It's not new to the I, Blu-ray. I understand that. And I said that I wish that would have been taken out. That's the point I'm making. See, you don't have to just make changes that are going to tick off people. There are changes you can make that will make people really happy. Well, I don't know that some of the changes they've made... Don't make me happy. I think that the Han and Greedo shootout is the best it has been since. Oh, that I makes agree. Me happy. But let's face it, the Star Wars community has been all up in arms and doing the international signs of danger. I think that fixing Luke's lightsaber so it no longer looks green on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, but now it's his white blinding light. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I just don't know enough about movie making, I guess, and what it takes to do these post-process. Why, yeah, it's no longer a green lightsaber. But now it's white, and you can actually see they're back to some of the 1977 special effects. And in high def, I see something I've never seen before, which are flashes of black where the hand animation of the lightsaber missed some frames. Mm -hmm. Never saw it before until this watching in high def was sharp enough to show me. As many times as I saw it on VHS, never saw it. But not all of these things are bad. I think some of these shots are really good. And again, the high def is wonderful. The Battle of Yavin. Gorgeous. Oh, just Stunning. Terrible. Yeah. The, and, the Death Star control room. Oh, and they fixed the audio problems that the DVDs had with the Battle of Yavin. Mm -hmm. Just some great stuff there. The Death Star blowing up is beautiful. Very, very good. Gorgeous. Sorry for all those union workers. My heart's with you guys. In Empire, again, very, very pretty. Yes. Hoth looked so wonderful. I've never the noticed ice. how reflective the ice is that Luke is standing on. Yes. Gorgeous. Beautiful. Some of the 1997 CGI of Cloud City doesn't necessarily hold up quite right. And some of the windows that, like, Lando and Han walk past seem to be overexposed outside. It's almost like they turned that brightness up a little much in some of those scenes. But this one is arguably my favorite. I go back and forth between Empire and A New Hope. I think A New Hope has better pacing. Empire has better characters. I'll be honest and say that... Empire was never one of my favorites. I thought it moved too slow. It does have and that I, hour. I, I did not enjoy the, the Dagobah part. I'm not a Yoda fan. I don't hate Yoda. He's just not, doesn't do much for me. Everybody has their thing. You're the Jar Jar fan. Somebody has to be. And I had a huge crush on Luke. So what happened was A New Hope, totally in love with Luke. Empire, Han. <laughs> Han's the sexy one now. But I saw things in Empire I've never seen before. Like when Vader and Luke are having the second stage of their battle right before Vader's about to start throwing all the stuff in the room at Luke. I never before noticed that in that giant window, you can see a reflection of Luke as he walks into the room. You can see his feet reflected in the window. Never had the ability to see that before. It's, again, like seeing certain things in this movie for the first time. The carbon freezing chamber was beautiful. It was the orange. Orange wasn't ramped up, though. It was like it normally is. It was really bright orange, though. It's always been really bright orange. Yeah. Again, the thing changes from scene to scene, and it's really hard to get a beat on. Return of the Jedi has the most changes, and I don't understand why, and I don't understand the reason for some of these changes. Like, the big door to Jabba's palace, it didn't bother me at all. I'm very neutral on it. I barely even noticed it. If people hadn't talked about it, I might not have noticed it at all. I don't know 
why they had to put a Doug randomly in Jabba's palace. And I only saw him in the one scene where he's walking down the stairs. He's not in the background again. Honestly, with the subtlety of some of Lucasfilm's animators, like the way Sy Snoodles gets all up in your face with her lips during Jedi Rocks, I would have expected the Doug to be in every scene. Like, he would be fist-pumping like he was on the Arsenio Hall show while Luke's in the Rancor. He'd be photobombing everything. Exactly. Just standing in the background doing weird... Obscure things. He'd be the Jar Jar Binks of the Jabba scenes. Yes. Please me. Exactly. That's what I would have expected. So the fact that he's just in that one scene, it's just weird. I don't know who was going. Was the scene too still? It was supposed to convey stillness. Was it that they just felt we needed a Doug in the original trilogy? I don't understand who's doing this and why. And I really don't think that it's all Lucas. Maybe it is. But I almost wonder if some animator just went to George and went, hey, George, look what I did. And George was like, use that in the next print. Yeah, it it didn't affect anything. It's just kind of puzzling. Didn't quite understand it. Well, let's get to one of the two big things in this movie. The first one, let's talk about the Ewoks. Inconsistent blinking. Yeah, I noticed Wicket blink a few times. Now, here, we had to change the video settings again. Yeah. Because Jedi was so dark, especially during the job of the Hut scenes, when it came time for the Ewoks to blink, I had to go in and manually crank up to bright mode because I was having trouble seeing, didn't have that problem on any of the other films. But once I got to Jedi, things were too dark. And again, tried it on a couple of reference systems. It is the darker film and talked to some people online. Other people also had problems with darkness in this. It's, I don't know what happened here. Maybe they only turned brightness up to eight instead of 11, but I actually had to crank the brightness on this one. Once I did, I noticed Ewoks blinking. Not very often. No. And not all of them. It's very funny because it seems so half-assed because Wicket blinks. And then in certain scenes, you see like the Wackling. And I noticed one other random Ewok blinking. But for the most part, you start looking at your background Ewoks. None of them are blinking. Mm-hmm. They're all gathered around C-3PO. I, I couldn't stare at all of their eyes at once, but I didn't see much blinking. I was obsessing over it, though. Yeah, I was, too. It is the problem with the Internet is you start becoming hyper aware of things that. Yeah. I think it's I like if noticed. someone says, oh, my God, do you see that mole on his face? And then that's all you can look at. Or someone says you've got like moly, moly, moly from Uncle Buck. It's the whole thing of don't think of pink elephants, basically. Yeah. But I was fixated. I've never gazed so much into Wicket's eyes before. No. When he did blink, it was strangely reptilian. It was like, I don't know if it was too slow or too fast. I couldn't fix it. It just didn't look right. It didn't yeah. look natural. Where did his eyelids go when he didn't blink? Yeah. That's why I got reptile out of it. It's like they were shuddered underneath some fur. It was very weird. Very weird. The other change, a lot of internet ink has been spilled on this, and rightfully so. No! I was okay with the first of the two no's. The first? There's two of them. Mm -hmm. Let's just say that. I don't know why. I guess if one no is good, two no's are better. Yes. First one is just kind of a no. And I was okay with it. It wasn't great. No. But it was fine. I could accept it. I was neutral. I probably... Might not even have noticed, but the second no, I would have noticed. Yeah. And I didn't fit. I hypothesized and somebody on Twitter confirmed these were outtakes from Revenge of the Sith. And I'm like, Uncle George, hey, how about instead of adding a no to Return of the Jedi, you remove one from Revenge of the Sith? (laughs) Because that one is horrible. Listen, I love Star Wars, but there are cringeworthy moments. When little Jake Lloyd goes, yippee, that is cringeworthy. When Jar Jar steps in poop, that is cringeworthy. When he's farted on by the EOP, that is cringeworthy. And now we have our first cringeworthy moment in the entire original trilogy. 
and it's Darth Vader saying no. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to judge it so harshly, but being so close to it, I can't help but think this is not an improvement. It- no, I don't think it added anything. And honestly, I always thought, and I know it was hard, and maybe it's just because I've watched this so many times, but they did a very good job with the way that David Prowse moved his head and looked of emoting with just the mask. You could see it. And I know there's no facial expressions that they make with Vader's mask, but you could feel it and see it and see the pain in his eyes. Here's the other thing. When I was seeing it for the first time, I could see it, but you also didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And now when he says no, it's really telegraphing and removing the shock of when he grabs the Emperor's clothes. Mm-hmm. It- I mean, it, here's the thing. What I would probably do, I'd always watch the prequel trilogies and the Blu-ray. Agreed. I will say, the Blu-rays are the best versions of the prequels I've ever seen, Mm -hmm. and I will never watch another version of the prequels unless they update them again. But at the moment, of all the releases I have, this is my go-to prequel watching. Honestly, I'd probably watch 4 and 5 also in the Blu-ray if you fix the color first so I don't get my eyes scarred by the Tatooine sun because that scene is just so ingrained in my psyche. It's not that bad. It's watchable. And the fact that it's so cleaned up and all the noise is removed and it's so clear and crisp. I mean, R2-D2 has never looked better. The Great Dragon Call, I'm just going to close my ears and go la 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 during that time. But it's beautiful. It really is. Return of the Jedi, I might pop in the original, original trilogy. Now, New Hope, of course, I'd like the original 1.0. Not always going to be able to do that, though. You know, I think you're right. I think that for Empire, Blu-ray is my Mm -hmm. go-to version now. A New Hope, it does come down to either the DVD non-anamorphic release of the original original, which is equivalent to the Laserdisc, only I don't have to turn it over halfway through, or this one. This one, if I'm going to watch the special edition version, this is the best version of the special editions. Here's the thing, like you said, I like them to look pretty, and this is how I'm going to get them to look pretty. And the changes made are not greater than how beautiful it looks. Return of the Jedi, one of our listeners sent us a high-def Blu-ray of the cable version that was not upscaled. And that's my go-to mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi. It is the DVD release of Return of the Jedi will be my go-to. I can honestly say after this review, other than to listen to the commentaries and see if there's anything, you know, in there, that disc will not go back in my player. It's just not the best version. It's still a great movie. Mm-hmm. But those little things, because I'm such a Star Wars fan, are going to bother me. But I'm not going to, you know, do what some people are doing and give Lucas the finger if I walk past him someday in a mall or say I'm never giving Lucas another one of my dimes. No, it's still a great movie. And it's a great transfer of a great movie, though a little bit dim, and I don't know why. I'm not Blu-ray.com. I can't go into all those technical details. And somebody in our forums, please, if you are more of a gearhead with AV than I am, Come, give me feedback on this. I welcome it. But from what I can tell, the cable version or the original 1.0s are better. And when it comes down to it, I don't think fans would even be that upset with the no added in if it felt like we were being given choices. With Blu-ray, when they came out, they talked about how you could have branching versions of movies and you'd be able to watch like a special edition or a regular version on the same disc or branch in between them and really set your own cuts of movies. And yet here... This is what we're given. And there's a lot of theories as to why Lucas made the originals just an unimproved special feature on the DVDs. And maybe he's just waiting. Maybe he is. I mean, he's a smart, smart businessman. He didn't get to be that rich by being dumb. Maybe three years from now, the 18-disc Blu-ray set or digital download or something will have high-definition transferred 
original trilogies, but then we're going to be sitting here again going, how did the color correction go when they did the high-def transfer? Everything changes. You know, I'd like to think, and this may be true, that Lucas is so passionate for things he does. That's why he tinkers, and he's never happy with anything, and he is just such an artist. Because sometimes people who are really involved in their craft are their worst critics. And it could be for him, he's just never been capable of doing what he wanted in so many of these things, and he gets the opportunity to do this as he goes along. Because, you know, he is George Lucas, it is Star Wars and everything, but you still have to have a distributor for this. And at some point, some distributor is going to say, don't we have enough Star Wars DVDs? And he may have to release it independently or something. I don't. Nobody's ever going to say that. Although, I will say, I am watching the sales of this with great interest. Mm -hmm. Because I want to know how a $90 set is going to sell. I also really want to know, I'm not a prequel hater, but I do think that they are inferior to the original trilogy. On that Walmart, all the Walmarts I went to had equal numbers, prequel and original trilogy on that standee. I think the original trilogy, if you're only going to buy half... I'd buy the original trilogy. Is the half you're going to buy the prequels? Hey, but there's a thing, once you think about, though, because people who are about 20 years younger than us, they grew up with the prequels. They did. And you know what? Not as many people in that age range are diehard Star Wars fans as in our range. You got the little kids who love the Clone Wars who mm-hmm. are diehards, but they'll grow out of it, honestly, the way most kids do. Well, and then you've got the over 30 set. And when you go to celebration, there's that great divide. And there are some of you, I know you're out there. I know I've talked to a lot of you. I could name you all by name in the 18 to 28 range, but there's less of them. Well, but here's something we have to think about though. When we were little, blockbusters were real blockbusters. And now there's a movie Movie. all the time. Yeah. Those who grew up with the prequels may like it better than the original trilogy, but I don't know that it can ever be as special to them because it came out alongside Lord of the Rings and The Matrix and And Harry Potter. And I don't think it resonates in their psyche and in their memories, and and you're not surrounded by it. I mean, every year Star Wars came out, and it was always on TV. Mm -hmm. It was on HBO, I think, for years, it seemed like. Now it's always on Spike, though. Yeah, but I really get tired of those Insight commercials about those guys (laughs) who need their extra little help there. But it's just... it's. I don't think with a new property every six weeks demanding your kids... Every six weeks, every week. Yeah, demanding your kids' attention and money. I don't think things are as big and blockbustery as they were before. See, I made a word mm-hmm. there. And I just don't think they're going to have that. We didn't have digital downloads. We didn't have computers. I mean, I remember being infatuated with Grease and Star Wars, both of which I can both quote eminently. But they were big blockbusters. I don't know that Grease was, really. Yes, it was. It was huge. They made a sequel. Yeah, I, I see where you're going with this, but I just don't think that the prequels are going to sell as well as what it all comes down to. I think that that set is going to be the one of the three sets. You're either going to buy them all, or if you're a half-hearted fan, I see more people going original trilogy. And can I also point out something very interesting, too, because we did grow up in a simpler time. You know, I didn't walk uphill six miles to go to school or anything, but we didn't have all these gadgets and technology. Star Wars is very simpler. We thought it was very futuristic, even though it took place in the past. Look at the difference between the prequels and the original trilogy in the level of bells and whistles, lights, gadgets, everything. So there's more you have to do to keep people's attention in a movie now when you're doing something like this. Theoretically. So I know a lot of people who would argue with that. Okay. But we did get the nine-disc set, and let's talk about those other three discs. Now, yes. I have to just say, discs... Seven and eight, the first one is prequel trilogy bonus. The second one is original trilogy bonus. I believe that we need to figure out who did the menu design. And smack them. We need to take them to a therapist. 
and have them discuss their issues with their mother because they are bug nuts crazy. Who does this? This would be like if I collected magazines and instead of sorting them by here are my time, here is my Newsweek, and here is my Entertainment Weekly, and here's my Playboy. I mean, if I'm wanting magazines that have movie reviews, I'm going to go to Entertainment Weekly. And if I'm wanting celebrity interviews, Entertainment Weekly or Playboy. And if I'm wanting interviews with presidents, I'm probably going to go to Time or Newsweek, right? Now, imagine if I sorted all of those by month and year. And so, yes, in a way, it kind of makes sense. But yet, it's not convenient to find anything. (laughs) That's how I feel about these DVD menus, which sort by movie, then by planet, then... By type. So if I want to see the documentaries, I can't just go to the documentary section. Or I can't even just go to the episode one documentary section. No, I have to go into episode one, Tatooine, documentaries about the stuff filmed on Tatooine. There are two things that drive me to rock back and forth, sitting on the floor holding my legs like a crazy person. That's the DVD menu playing endlessly and clicking on the DVD menu. That click, (laughs) click, click. Click. The plink, plink. I guess it's more of a plink. Drives me crazy. Can't stand it. It was way too much clicking. I I really wanted to smash the remote. To find all the deleted scenes, which are the thing most interesting for me and pretty much all I've watched so far, I had to do so much clicking and wait through so many menu loading screens. And it's unique. And I kind of respect it. Somebody did say it was novel on Twitter to me. And I said, yes. And you know what? If on the very top, It asked me how I wanted it. Again, Lucas isn't about, I guess, giving me my data my way. He's about giving me the data his way. And when it started, it would be like, would you like to explore by planet? Or would you like to explore by type? I'd be very cool with it and give it a total thumbs up. But as it is, as someone who wanted to see the deleted scenes to see the frames of Star Wars I've never seen before, it was really annoying. Plink, 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 plink. That's what it was like. They did include the cartoon from the holiday special. Yeah, it looks pretty good cleaned up. It really does. And because Blu-ray's high def and thus widescreen, they actually put some kind of like art to make it look like you're viewing it on a big vid screen instead of just leaving the horizontal bars. So I thought that was a really nice addition. Some people have said that this may be a stepping stone on the way to the release of the full holiday special. I have to wonder about rights. Lucas may not own the rights to the holiday special. I'm sure he can afford them. But why would he pay for them? That's true. That's what it comes down to. It comes down to that whole rumor about the Tonica sisters. Maybe he doesn't own the likeness rights and he can't make the figures. And yes, he could pay them. That's what they've said is they want money for it. He could pay them. But why would he? Why would it be the profit in it for him? Oh, I'm sure he can find a nude photo of some CBS executive and blackmail him. But why would he go through the trouble for the holiday special? True. But the cartoon was done by Nelvana, who also did the Droids and Ewoks cartoon series. They have good relations with them and probably own all the rights to this animation. So we were able to get that. And even if it's all we ever get, it's so great to see it not on a 200th (laughs) generation VHS release. Disc 3 was actually my favorite so far because I find making ofs and documentaries about and think, having seen so many of them on Blu-rays and DVDs, I will watch every bonus feature with this set probably here in the next month. But they don't excite me on post-release the way that they used to. And so I'm more into the cutscenes. 
disc three, they do have the making of Star Wars, which I did watch in its entirety. It really took me back to, I know it aired in 77, but I had this on VHS when it aired on HBO in the early 80s, and I would watch it almost as much as I would watch Star Wars and to see all that and see Harrison Ford rehearsing a scene going, bam, bam, bam. And it's funny to see in between A New Hope and Empire, Carrie Fisher was hot. She was cute. She was cute in all the movies. Not like she was in the scene. I mean, they just, they made her look so porcelain in the movies that I never really found her attractive. But when she literally let her hair down and was wearing just jeans and a 70s plaid shirt, she had a thing going on there. I think she was utterly gorgeous in Empire. I think that was the one where she just looked amazingly beautiful. Empire. Especially in the Bespin and the Hoth outfits. I think she was just stunning. Mark Hamill had David Cassidy's haircut. Everyone did in the 70s and 80s, yes. Harrison Ford looked the same. Yeah, that's like Harrison Ford. <laughs> they have this huge Star Wars spoofs thing that I enjoyed in certain ways, but again, in, in the whole Data My Way thing, it was odd. It's just this selection of spoofs, and some are from sitcoms like that 70s show or 30 Rock or even Just Shoot Me. Oh, I forgot about the Just Shoot Me one. That one is the best. It was the Mark Hamill one. Yeah. They didn't have the George Lucas one. Really? Uh-huh. Where George Lucas comes and punches somebody in the face. I would love David that one. It was David Spade, wasn't it? I, it? I couldn't remember if it was David Spade or his boss, but... Yeah. Yeah. And it was great to see these things. So much of this I've hunted down or burned myself on my TiVo. Both Just Shoot Me episodes... They had the scene from The Muppet Show where Mark Hamill was there with the droids, but it was just the one scene. And it's like, I still want to go buy that season of The Muppet Show on DVD so I could have all of the Luke Skywalker stuff, not just this scene. I remember watching that at my grandma's house because I would watch The Muppet Show at my grandma's house every week and sitting on her floor in front of her TV with my brother and he's just a baby watching that. It almost felt like a sizzle reel. I mean, they had some of the SNL skits and those were great. I think SNL, the best ones that SNL ever did, well, there's two. Bill Murray, the lounge singer. Which they have on there, but all they have is him singing that song. Do you want the whole Nick Winter skit? Or do you just want him singing that song? If you just want him singing the song, this DVD's for you. Yeah. I like the whole skit. I'm a big SNL fan. It's as big to me as Star Wars is. And then they have, when they did the special editions, the screen tests. And the best one, Norm MacDonald as Burr Reynolds auditioning as Darth Vader. And that Richard Dreyfus as C-3PO. How awesome is that? It was Daryl Hammond. It was phenomenal. I love that whole series anyway. And they have the Natalie Portman monologue where yes. Andy Sandberg and the other guy are pretending to be Star Wars fans who are asking really detailed questions. Wasn't it Jason Sudeikis or Will Forte? It was Jason Sudeikis. Thank okay. you. I couldn't mm-hmm. remember them. And yet they didn't have the digital short where she dresses, beats up a kid in Amidala. Yeah. But maybe because it's, you know, a little bit well, more fun. Well, that song but... was a little bit rough. For it a was. PG audience. It was. When I go to Harvard, I get stoned every day, yeah, yeah. I suppose. But it was a little bit not PG. And when it comes to sitcoms, I mean, yeah, they had the clips from that 70s show and even a clip from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which was wonderful when Spike threatens a geek's Boba Fett figure if he doesn't do what he wants. But they don't have the scene from Friends where Rachel dresses up in the Slave Leia outfit to seduce Ross. I mean, that was the first time I ever thought, oh, Slave Leia. I guess that's supposed to be sexy. I never sexualized Leia until that episode of Friends. I did not realize it was supposed to be sexual until we started really hardcore conventions and people stopped wearing underwear with the costume. Then they had a clip from the MTV Movie Awards from 2005. I think it was hosted by Jimmy Fallon. 
and they were doing a spoof there, but they didn't include the MTV Movie Awards from 1999 where Andy Dick was Keati Mundi. So I'm just kind of like, well, you know, uh, in all fairness, Arnie, most people distance themselves from Andy Dick. <laughs> well, physically and emotionally. Yeah. I mean, Andy Dick isn't even on the D list. He's on maybe the Z list. What I'm basically saying is I love most of what they've given us here. It just seems like they trimmed it so tight. And admittedly, I imagine that I'm impressed. I want to give a major shout out to Lucasfilm Legal for acquiring the rights to distribute all of this. I do think it was a little robot chicken heavy. It almost felt at times like you might have at the bottom, go purchase the robot chicken Star Wars trilogy, now available on DVD and Blu-ray. Mainly I felt it was heavy, not because I don't like it. I love robot chicken, but you're kind of preaching to the converted here. We already own those trilogies. So if you'd put in one or two of them, I would have gotten it. When it got to the fourth robot chicken, I was kind of like, there's a lot of robot chicken in here. Well, you can always tell when SNL has Star Wars heavy writers because they had a lot of Star Wars stuff when Tina Fey was a writer. She's a big Star Wars fan. Mm -hmm. And Seth Meyers is still, I think he's great too, but it kind of ebbs and flows there with a lot of things. They also had some YouTube stuff and fan video stuff mixed in. And I don't know. I just, I would have rather seen more official stuff, hard to get stuff where like they have troops. I love troops. The original fan film troops. Amazing. I hope everyone who's listening has seen it, but because troops used copyright music, inner circles, bad boys, what you want, what you going to do? You know, they couldn't put that in. So it's not all of troops. I would have liked to have seen all of troops in full quality versus the old downloads I did in the 90s and have staved on my hard drive to this day. I mean, Chad Vader, Star Wars by a three-year-old, even the most recent Volkswagen commercial. Admittedly, I'm going to give a pass to the little puppy AT-AT video that was a web hit yeah. because it's just too cute not to give it to. It is that car video was cute with that little boy. That was cute. It was cute. It just, it's like, I don't know. It just, it didn't excite me as much. Those were my low lights yeah. was when those stuff came on. The it's too soon. It is. The highlights, the Daily Show clip from 2005, which I remember seeing live at the time, where they're kind of mocking all of the Episode 3 merchandise that came out and seeing that logo. I mean, it's really Episode 3 Midnight Madness that was the conception of the idea that would be birthed three months later of Star Wars Action News, right? And so to see Jon Stewart talking about all that merchandise, really, uh, that gave me just total now, joy. you watched it while I was doing other things because I do have to run a household in addition to all this luxurious <laughs> life I live here. Did they have the Triumph stuff? No. Dang it. See? Again, some of the stuff that they have. I love that. Maybe because it was insulting. I, that could be. The other thing that they had that I just couldn't believe they had but loved, the Donnie and Marie skit <gasps> with the dancing stormtroopers. No! Yeah. Again, I remember watching that live. Uh-huh. Now, it- I had, okay, my crushes were Luke Skywalker, Donnie Osmond, and Sean Cassidy. I was way too young to like any of them. Oh, man, I gotta watch that. Yeah, it's a little bit wavy. It's obviously taken from a fourth or fifth generation videotape. Or just yeah, they never released those on DVD. I no. wonder why. Hmm. But to be able to get that is great. I'd seen all of this before with a single exception of, I don't know who Eddie Izzard is, but he's apparently comedian? a stand-up comedian who wears high heels. Is he the get her done guy? No, he's oh. this guy's British, or at least oh. he does a British accent. But that was it. They also included the Star Wars tech. Now, the deleted scenes were the highlight of all the bonus features, but what shocked me is what I didn't see. It turns out that 
say you've never owned Star Wars, but now you've become this mega fan and you want to see all these deleted scenes. Not only do you have to buy this Blu-ray set to see all the deleted scenes they included, but you got to head to Amazon and buy used copies or secondhand copies because they're no longer in print of the previous DVD releases of the prequels because the cut scenes that were included before aren't included here. This is not comprehensive. And it really makes me think that if you go back into the Star Wars Action News archives, way back to episode 270, Nathan Butler did a rundown of all the home video Star Wars releases. And I almost feel like, you know what? I kind of like being able to have all these varieties and all these options and all these bonus features. You really do need an entire shelf of your home video library devoted to Star Wars, because while these are going to be our go-to versions of most of these movies, it does not render the previous versions obsolete. If you are a more casual fan, I don't know that any of our listeners would be, but like, if I buy a movie like RoboCop on Blu-ray, I usually sell my DVD, unless the special features aren't the same, or if there are special, special features on the DVD. For now playing, I've actually found I have to buy a lot of movies on DVD to get the special features, because they've done bare-bones Blu-ray releases. Here, you cannot call this bare-bones. If you buy just the three-disc set, it may feel pretty bare-bones, because all you get on the sets themselves are the commentaries. You add in these extra three discs... It's not bare bones, but I know when I read reviews on Blu-ray.com of movies first coming out on Blu-ray, if it doesn't have all the features that were on the DVD release, they get dinged for it. They're like, we know you have this Sylvester Stallone commentary on Rocky. Why is it not on the Blu-ray? We know you have all these various features. Why did you not include them? Here, they've included so much, but I find it really just odd. Again, I just don't understand why you wouldn't include those other things when you've got them so readily available if you're not marketing the old stuff already. I mean, it's we talked about this on the show two weeks ago. The DVDs are no longer available in stores or on Amazon new unless you buy them secondhand from someplace that has them in stock. They are no longer shipping the DVD competitor to this Blu-ray set. Which is a shame because a lot of people haven't converted yet. Mm-hmm. Is this normally what happens with movies that come out on DVD? Usually they come out on DVD and Blu-ray the same day. But if they're already on DVD? You know, I don't honestly keep up with the printing processes for a lot of them, but most movies, like, recently we started reviewing the Hannibal Lecter films for Now Playing. And when I went to purchase the Blu-ray set for Hannibal Lecter, I could purchase the Blu-ray set brand new on Amazon, or I could purchase the DVDs brand new on Amazon. So they had them in stock. Is it that they just haven't sold out and they're sitting gathering dust in a warehouse? Or is it that they're actively being printed? I don't know. But the fact that Star Wars seems to have gone out of stock everywhere, maybe they haven't printed them in a long time in anticipation of the Blu-ray release. But if you don't have Blu-ray, you are going to have to get used copies of these old discs. Or if you're like me and such a completist that you want all these cutscenes and you want all these bonus features, you want the web documentaries, they are not there. I do like that in the deleted scenes for Attack of the Clones, they include the attack on the droid ship, which was available previously on StarWars.com. StarWars.com did a redesign recently and removed so much. They've removed all the fiction that I used to love there. I'm so glad that I printed a lot of it to PDF because it's gone. It's like just now their press release are like, we're focusing on the visuals. So it's like, okay, all style, no substance. But I'm glad they included it here. So I don't, again, have to worry about a screen grabbed recording of a copyrighted video. But yeah, this does not render any of my previous releases obsolete. But when I look at this release, in addition to looking at what we got, 
I can't help but thinking about what we didn't get. Some things that are pretty common with today's Blu-ray releases. Why is it we didn't get digital copies? I mean, I picked up X-Men, I picked up Thor, and both of them come with the DVDs. I enter my little codes, and now I'm watching on my Blu-ray, and I'm watching on my iPad. Why did they not include that? Why did they not include isolated score tracks, since Sony has said it doesn't appear to be economically feasible to release ultimate scores for Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith? So why are we not getting that? Lucas is smart. There's always the next release. And if they gave us digital copies now, then when they release their digital copies later... We would have already bought them. Not that anybody can't just go download Handbrake and rip the DVDs themselves, but I digress. As for the scores, I really wonder if when Attack of the Clones is back in theaters in 2013 and Revenge of the Sith in theaters in 2014, wouldn't Sony be stupid not to capitalize on it with a soundtrack re-release? I mean, they did with the special editions of Star Wars in 97. That's when we got our expanded two-disc soundtracks for those movies. That is interesting, but is there a huge demand for the scores? That's what the other thing you got to look at. I think there is a demand for the scores. I just don't think because they released the Phantom Menace extended score in that dead zone after the Phantom Menace crash. And so it didn't sell very well. But obviously the Star Wars scores, movie scores in general sell well. Yeah. Otherwise they wouldn't make them. True. Again, I point to digital download being a very popular method for me personally to get movie scores now because Amazon sells them for $7.99 versus a $15 disc. And it's space-saving. You can put more Star Wars stuff in those spaces not taken up by CDs. And all I really do is rip my CDs to digital anyway. Yeah. So I think that Lucas is very much aware of what they didn't put on here and what may be coming out later. But to steal from now playing Marjorie, do you recommend the Blu-ray sets? Yeah, they're pretty. They're beautiful. I want my movies to look that good, and they're great. Changes, not deal breakers, doesn't make me not love Star Wars, doesn't make me not want to buy anything ever again. Disappointed in some. You know what? I'm going to keep on living. I'm okay. I, I can be unhappy with them. I'll just, I will probably won't watch The Return of the Jedi, <laughs> to be honest, because that no really bothers me. And the blinking Ewoks bother me. They're kind of creepy. And the fact that the disc is just so dang dark. That's the other thing, is <laughs> it was really dark. It's a systemic problem throughout all of Return of the Jedi that yeah. I had. And again, if there's somebody who's a bigger gearhead than me, I don't claim to be an expert on AV equipment. Please come to the forums and tell me. But yeah, I mean, that's... It has some downfalls. The darkness is a huge one. I hate it when I'm squinting, trying to figure out, who's that? You have to rewind the Doug scene for me three times because I couldn't see him. He was in a shadow. I mean, it's, yeah. Me... I, I could not see him. That... So I, I recommend it. If you don't have a Blu-ray player, I wouldn't buy it just for Star Wars, I think, because unless you really, 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 really looking forward to it and you're going to use it for other things. I mean, I don't want to tell people to go spend their money, but I guess that's what I do every week. <laughs> but it just depends. I'm going to tell you. It may convert you. Go spend your money. If you don't have Blu-ray, get Blu-ray. Go spend your money. This is glorious. This is a great set. I don't want anyone to walk away from the show and think we didn't like it. I don't want anyone to walk away from the show and think that we're not huge Star Wars fans. It's because we're huge Star Wars fans that the no bothers us so much. Mm -hmm. Because we know what it was so well that the changes jump out. I made it a point after the no to stop reading anything about changes online. I refuse to watch any clips. I would not watch any cut scenes. I would not watch anything. And I quit reading about it. I, I want to know. know. I want to know what stands out to me. What jumps out at me? What is bad to me when I watch it? That no was bad. To me. The blinking Ewoks. Again, these are things I knew about. But the R2-D2 with the rock, it didn't bother me. Mm -mm. The Obi-Wan Howl, yeah. Everybody in the room with us cracked up and didn't expect it. It's just, it's a funny sound. 
But these other changes, they aren't bad. I just, because I think we Star Wars fans, especially collectors, may have a little bit of OCD in us and we like things our way, the way I would like my menus for the Blu-rays I purchased to be my way in a logical fashion to me versus this crazy, insane way it's organized. I think that this is a valuable addition. And I do think that it may be cheaper, especially around Black Friday. I do think there's going to be a huge Black Friday sale. There always is on DVDs and Blu-rays. But I think the main thing that people who are getting all worked up are forgetting is I don't think that George Lucas did this to mess with you. I really believe his changes come 100% out of passion for his craft and his baby. This is his thing. I don't think he did it to piss off Joe Bob in Iowa. I really don't think he did that to you. I think that, you know, if you ever built a deck and he didn't do something quite right, maybe there's a corner that's off and it just gnaws at you. I think that's what's going on. And he didn't mean any harm. And people are like, oh my God, I'm never buying another Star Wars DVD again. Suck it up. Come on, get over it. I think those people were maybe looking for a way to jump ship. I can understand how it feels a little bit wrong. And you know what the worst part is, is the silence. There's no why given to us. We don't know why there's a Doug in the yeah. Jedi. We don't know why No is there. I know people are supposing that it creates symmetry between the end of Revenge of the Sith and Return of the Jedi. But I really think that if we had something on StarWars.com, somebody put a, you know, go to Lucas's office, get five minutes with him and have him talk about, you know, I felt these changes were important because the way he did with the special editions. Mm -hmm. A spoonful of Lucas makes the no go down, I think. But I think that would help out a lot. I just think, though, I'm kind of in both camps. When we talked at the very beginning of the show about the film purist camp and the tech head camp, I'm both. And you know what? I don't really need every iteration in between. I don't need the entire evolution. Well, I do because I'm a completist collector. But I don't need to watch every version of all the Star Wars films at all times. I would be fine with just 1.0, as you called it, and whatever this version is, 4.1 or something. Mm -hmm. I would be happy with just the newest and the originals, the originals being that option. And the fact that the last big release of Star Wars had the originals, maybe we wait till 5.0 and maybe it'll be included there. I always will have those DVDs and they'll always be there. It's not like he can come into my house and take my DVDs no. away from and, and me. I don't think that a lot of the color issues or the lightness and darkness are due to him tinkering with anything. Some of it may be, but I think a lot of it is you're taking a movie that's super duper old and putting it into brand new technology may not go as well. When it was filmed, not made for this. Every film made when converted to home video format has changed. Be because they have to? Because of contrast, because of format, because of frame rate. Some aren't noticeable. And if you aren't so close to it where you're looking at Star Wars like it's in a Petri dish. I mean, if they changed a line of dialogue in X-Men or in Iron Man, I wouldn't know unless I went to the wiki page or the IMDB page and it talks about this is different. So... It's because it's Star Wars and a film that I literally can't count how many times I've seen it. Somebody asked on Twitter how many times I've seen it. And, you know, I watched it every day after school. I would come home and I had it taped from HBO. And I would put in this tape and just have Star Wars play while I did my homework every day for a couple of years. So I just know the film so well that these changes are big to me. Whereas a casual viewer, and I go back to what I said two weeks ago. The casual viewer will make or break this in sales. Mm -hmm. The casual person going, I already have a Blu-ray player. Star Wars. I'm going to pick it up. That's going to make this a hit or not. If only the people who buy action figures buy the Blu-rays, it will be a dismal, dismal failure. If only the EU fans buy Blu-rays. Uh-uh. 
But I am going to watch the sales charts because I'm curious. It's an expensive item. Mm-hmm. When you go to Best Buy and you see a bin of $7 Blu-rays and then you look at this for $90, it's like, are people going to spend 90 for six movies when they can spend seven for one movie? Mm-hmm. Are they going to wait for the discounts? How is it going to do? And Lucas is going to play the long game. He doesn't care about opening week. I mean, they care for ego reasons, but what they want to know is how much money they make overall. And this is a holiday selling item. It'll be big throughout. And if it doesn't sell well this first weekend, there will be bigger pushes, bigger promotions. If it sells like hotcakes, they'll know they don't need to spend the advertising dollars. Mm -hmm. But everything I've learned in six years of analyzing their advertising, they are smart, smart folk. And they're going to take every penny they can. So that's our show for this week. I do hope you've enjoyed this Blu-ray-centric episode of Star Wars Action News. We want to thank our sponsor, Brian's Toys, for supporting the show. And they have the Sideshow 12-inch Boba Fett available for pre-order. So please head over to brianstoys.com and tell them you were sent by Star Wars Action News. Come to our forums. Let us know what you think about the Blu-rays. And leave us a voicemail at 415-508-JEDI. Next week, we want all of your thoughts on this Blu-ray set. Did you get it? Did you pass? Do you not have Blu-ray and don't feel the need? Tell us all of it. 415-508-JEDI. We want your thoughts, your reviews, your experiences. Did you have a marathon like we did? We live tweeted it all. You can go back and read our tweets on Twitter, our random thoughts. They weren't so much Blu-ray specific as they were just general Star Wars stuff. But let us know. We want to know your thoughts, and we will play them on the air next week. Mm-hmm. And that is our show for this week. We wish you a happy week of either watching the Blu-rays or not. And be sure to head to our forums at SWActionNews.com. We've got a poll of the week as we enter Phase 2 of the Hasbro Fans' Choice voting. All of your nominations have been gathered up and put into Phase 2. I'm still waiting on word back from Hasbro on if figures like the Tonica Sisters or Zero the Hut or... George Lucas behind the camera can be included, but we're pushing them through to the next round. Just keep in mind, if you vote for one of them, Hasbro may not allow it, but we will take the votes at this point as they are being a little unclear. So you can vote now at SWActionNews.com. And don't forget, tomorrow, Republic Forces Radio Network will be back. I'm on the first couple episodes this season. We're going to be discussing the first two episodes of The Clone Wars that aired last Friday. You can check that out at RepublicForces.com. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that show at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News book club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at SWActionNews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at SWActionNews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at SWActionNews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can help support Star Wars Action News by using the affiliate links on our homepage when shopping online. 
We would also appreciate it if you spread the word about Star Wars Action News by posting about us on Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, or just tell a friend about the show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can also cast a vote for us each month at Podcast Alley. Links to both can be found on our homepage at SWActionNews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please visit YakFace.com, HansHideout.Blogspot.com, and JediTempleArchives.com, and we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is website designed by Jason, associate produced and announcements by Brock, reporters Jerry, Dan, Steve, and Justin, graphic designed by Chris, and podcast enhancement by Barrett. Star Wars Action News is copyright 2011, all rights reserved. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademarked and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stopped and the Force be with you. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Star Wars Action News is a production of Venganza Media Incorporated. Everything I love, I see the faults, and I love the faults. That really worries me now. And What's my fault? So maybe we need to step back and do we need to see a counselor? <laughs> Everything you love, you see faults. Now he blows he, I'm up. I'm sorry. We're in the Midwest. He blowed up real good. <laughs> I mean, I remember being infatuated with Greece and Star Wars, both of which I can both quote eminently. Now, why I don't have a Greece podcast? Well, it's because there's other things I like to do with my life. And really, what am I going to talk about?